for a few weeks in early spring, the only sounds that I heard were those of songbirds and sirens. The country battled to protect the NHS, save the lives of people struggling to breathe. The world was being forced to stop, pause and let the planet draw a collective breath. I'm Ros Miller, a mid-career medic who found herself disillusioned about healthcare in the UK long before the lockdown of 2020. Songbirds and Sirens is for anyone interested in the biggest challenges medics face today. How to practice the basic tenets of being a good doctor, simply caring for people safely, while simultaneously delivering the latest medical advances in a world of rapidly changing technology and instant gratification. From the highlands of Scotland to the hidden doors of Harley Street, I have found two consistent things. One, medics don't wake up in the morning thinking, today I'm going to do a bad job. Exactly the opposite, we want to help people, to have the time to care for our patients and to do our very best for them. And number two, patients, regardless of whether they are down and out or a dame, all crave exactly the same things, to be seen, to be heard, and to know that for a moment in time, at least someone cares. Songbirds and Sirens is the start of a conversation society needs to have with itself. For me, it's the chance to catch up with colleagues and some friends to find out how the last few months have changed their perspectives and influenced their values. In this episode with Liz Ashley, Liz and I discuss the mental health impact of COVID on staff that have been right in the heart of the front line in ITU. Interesting, some of my colleagues have been quite strange through this um it's been quite enlightening quite a lot of them have had quite a lot of time off self-isolating um and then finally think they've got it and have more time off it's been quite interesting about who's come out of it well and this other thing is the the people that went and did covid itu are slightly they've got slightly the sort of covid heroes about them whereas the rest of us that sort of kept the cardiac surgery going are sort of thought of as slightly lesser beings i don't know that's been interesting as well and slightly divisive well that that's uh, there was a uh, there's a military guy actually that, that i met through one of our um courses that dave and i do you know we like to do these things but um which is about business um but he is one of the senior most military guys um who advises the government um and i was asking him and he's had ptsd and, and speaks publicly about it and i was asking him about two or three weeks ago i said you know how what would your advice be to um the nhs about managing all of these patients with ptsd and and what he said really surprised me he said it's not the PTSD that's going to be the bigger problem. Your problem is this, um, I can't remember the exact words that you used, but it's this kind of hero complex that you were describing. He said, you know, there's a you see it a lot in the in military people when they come home that they can't then adjust to civilian life because they're no longer seen as the hero and the and the serving queen and country and all that. Um, and he said, and so similarly. Um, that kind of hero complex, which we've seen with, you know, us all getting um, to the front line in the in the shops and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, it's interesting that you say that you're seeing some of that in and amongst your colleagues, because I think there's definitely a group of people that will feel very deflated in three months time when it is back to normal. Yes. And there was some, you know, 
there were some very thin, thinly guys medal attempts by some of my colleagues as well. They went off and set the nightingale up and they were being interviewed on Sky News and, you know, with fanciful tales, to be honest. Um, and, um, you know, they, they, they were blatant, really, medal attempts. for. And I don't think some of those will happen. And I think they'll be quite disappointed about that. And you feel like saying, you know, the Olympics is over now. Um, wait another four years till the next pandemic. Yeah. Have another go. Sort of yeah. And really, whereas all I wanted to do was get back to the beach in the south of France and resume a normal life. And I'd got no aspirations to do anything heroic. I just wanted to be alive and my family be alive at the end of it and get back to the water skiing platform in Jean Le Pin, really which I think is much more realistic. But there were people, I mean, they were writing SOP after SOP, standard operating procedure, yeah. de- daily to change everything and rushing around in a manic sort of state. So you wonder whether they will get slightly depressed at the end of it, whereas yeah. the rest of us might think, well, the garden looks better and I really want to get back to my water skiing, which is what I was trying to do when you rang me on Sunday. <laughs> you know, and actually, I'm very happy with that. I'm happy with other aspects of my life, really. And so, so, so I think that's shows it's that's important. You should have other, always have other things in your life. Yeah. And, and so that bit, where would you see? How do you think life's going to look like for you now in five years' time? Do you think it'll be the same? Do you think things will have fundamentally changed? Has this changed your view of what you want your life to look like in five years' time? Well, no. As I said, I'm re- I was really happy with my life before. I thought was I thought I was the, one of the luckiest people in the world, and that you know. Oh, did I? I thought happy. you were one of the luckiest. <laughs> <laughs> Not you know, you know, like, you know. I come from a non-medical family. I I'd only gone to Birmingham Medical School. I you know daily walked up the steps of the Harley Street Clinic. I used to have to pinch myself. I think, God, how did you get here? You know, and everybody knew me, and um, yeah. I, I, and I've got a London teaching hospital cardiac job. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't have dreamt of it, Ros. And I've always felt extremely lucky about that, and extremely privileged to be in the position I was in. So I was quite, I'm quite happy just to get in, get back to that. In a way, though, I'll be sixty in in five years' time, um, and I do wonder whether um, I will try and reduce my work a little bit, and perhaps not work on a Saturday, and perhaps have a little bit more time off. I'm, I've never really enjoyed intensive care, um, although I've always had to do it. I'm thinking very seriously of perhaps coming off the encore road to then perhaps giving up my commitment to intensive care and just carrying on with anaesthetics after this. I quite like working on my own rather than doing medicine by committee, which intensive care tends to be. And I mean, perhaps that's a bit... um, yeah, perhaps that's a bit only childlike <laughs> spoiled, but I, I just just quite like getting on it with it on my own now. And then also, um, if I would, I might reduce my NHS commitment a little bit, and then I can choose when I when I want to work in the private sector when, and who I want to work with. If it continues in any sort of shape or form, like it has done before, and that's a big if. And if but, you get um, any aspirations, I don't have, you know, I don't have great aspirations to. Um, to change too much because I've always been pretty happy. I probably would have been a happy dustman having said that. Would you <laughs> want to do any, um, Would you want to do anything like humanitarian work or go and work in abroad work somewhere completely different? Um, I'm, um, I'm, I can't see myself saving the world in Africa. Really, yeah. um, not no, not not really. Um, it's not a bad well, thing. Not, uh, some people I've just. I thought, I mean, I, I know quite, I know the professor in Cape Town quite well at 
was to go in Cape Town and I've thought about going and doing a sabbatical in South Africa. Um, whether I do, at the moment, I'm, you, you've always been a bit scared of, of not, not the NHS, but actually if you've got private practice losing your own yeah. private business, and that's been probably what would stop me doing that. Um, but, um, you know, perhaps that would be a thought for the future. I'm not sure. I've also thought about, I went and did a medical French course once because I thought, because I've, I've got a place, a small little place down in the south of France. And I thought about going and finishing my days working at the, you know, the hospital in Cannes. That might be an, a, a more realistic option. However, whether I'd get on with the French, the French medical system, which I think is quite um, uh, pyramidal, yeah. with a, a chief and a, a chef and then everybody else working below them, I don't know whether that would suit me particularly. But, and then awesome. last question, um, so this is completely different from everything we've been talking about. If you, um, so you're imagining having a dinner party and you could have um, five guests from oh either God. present or past, um, anybody, uh, who would you most want to sit down and have dinner with? Well, Boris, obviously. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, you know, I've, I've been very impressed with, um, with, with actually, although people have been very critical, I don't think anybody else would have done any better. And I think old Boris is, does actually care and has done his best and um, is, 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 is always been worried about the economy and um, uh, uh, balancing the economy with the health of the nation, which I think has been a really difficult tightrope to walk. I think he was pretty um, uh, shaken up by uh, actually having COVID himself, so I think that was difficult. Um, okay, who else would I like? Uh, I'm a very keen skier, so I'd be quite interested to meet some of the one of the good lady skiers, like perhaps Chemi Alpa or Lindsay Vaughan. There you are. Um, I'm quite a keen water skier, so perhaps some of the um, uh, more famous water skiers I'd like. So somebody like Mike Hazelwood, who used to be um, one of the uh, the British champion at water skiing. That's three. Who else am I going to ask? Um, who else? You can go into history as well. You can go back in time if you want. Oh, I'm not very good at history. Um, I've always been quite keen on Emily Maitlis as an as a newscaster. Um, oh, but I was I thought she I thought she did overspect the mark this week, so I'd be quite interested to have her on my um on my dinner party table. And perhaps finally the other person I'm I'm quite keen on as a newscaster is Sophie um, Rayworth, because I think I see lots of her and me. I I went through a stage of running marathons. I never did the marathon to Sable. But I like her sort of. I like I like Sophie's sort of jolly attitude to the news, and so perhaps I'd like those two. I've always quite fancied myself as a female news reader as well. <laughs> if I'd have had my time again, I'd either be a surgeon. I definitely wouldn't be an anaesthetist again. I don't think because I think it's a, basically you do have a little bit better and you call the shots. So I might have liked to have been a surgeon, perhaps a urologist. Um, I've always fancied myself as a BA pilot. Or failing that, a newsreader. So there you are. Or oh, uh, 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 a TV journalist. So there we are. That would be my dinner party. Emily, Sophie, a water skier, a skier, and Boris. And Boris. It would be, be a bit of a strange dinner party, wouldn't it? It would be fun, though. It would be fun. <laughs> well, listen, that's been... Um, thanks ever so much for doing that. Yeah, well, it's been I'll good. Do. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, good. Great. Um, it, no, it's been brilliant. 
In a career that spans a decade as a consultant orthopaedic surgeon, working both in the National Health Service and the private sector, I've had the privilege of meeting and treating fascinating individuals from all walks of life, from single mums and factory workers to actors, business leaders and politicians, with the occasional lord and lady along the way. This moment in time has brought fear, but also hope, and most importantly, an intense desire for change. It's up to society, not politicians, not governing bodies, and not the media, to decide what our collective future should be. You can follow Songbirds and Sirens via Facebook, Twitter, or on Instagram. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you would like to find out more, or if you would like to contribute to the conversation, please get in touch.